chapter 14 verse 6 and 7 I want to look at these three angels messages one at a time verse 6 and 7 reading from a new version the NLT my favorite version now this is John the apostle some believe that he was probably put in a pot of boiling oil by Nero and wouldn't burn that's what tradition says anyway he ends up on Patmos and on the Sabbath day The Lord gives him a vision, and this is what he sees. Verse 6, And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to the world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And this angel said, Fear God, give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge, worship him who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and all the springs of water. So this is the first angel and his message. And this angel, imagine the scene, is flying through the what? The sky. Now, if there was a hundred metre angel or a two or three or a half a a kilometre long angel flying through the sky and he was shouting out a message around the world, would the world hear it? Yes. Yes, they would. And Jesus uses this symbolically because he wants you to know that this message, these three messages that he gives, they need to be shouted out around the world so the whole world hears them. There can be no mistake, this is a message that God has given the church for the end times. And this is a message that you and I have been called to take to the world. What is it? Number one. Well, this angel is flying through the sky. And is he carrying good news or bad news? It's good news. And that good news goes to every tribe, nation, language and people. And the essence, the heart of that first angel's message is worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea and all the springs of water. Now, who is this angel? Who is he? I kind of alluded to it already. Is God going to send an angel to do this? Are we going to see an angel? 500 metres tall with a 200 metre wingspan flying around the world and crying out, worship God who made the heavens and the earth, who is the creator of all. Are we going to see that? Who is this angel then? Well, well, the Bible tells us an angel. Do you know what an angel is? It's a messenger. Now, I want you to look at something. If you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew 28, 19 and 20. I know these scriptures off by heart. Long ago, they burned deep inside me. And at what, this is what inspires me to do what I do. I hope it will inspire you to do what you do and inspire this church to do what it does. Jesus said, as he was about to go back to heaven, this is the challenge he left the church. Go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. So who did Jesus tell to go? So who's the angel? We are. are. Do you get that? Do you get that? We are the angel. We are the messengers. And I've got to tell you, I think the church took that pretty seriously when Jesus said that. When Jesus left, how many converts were in his early church? Do you remember? 120. Today, there are 2.4 billion Christians. There are 7.2 billion people One third of the world are followers of Jesus Christ. In Australia, this so-called unchristian country, in the last census of 23.5 million people, guess how many claim to be Christians, followers of Jesus, disciples of his? What do you think? 14 million. So effectively in name at least, we come from a, a Christian country. But there is no doubt those 120 followers of Jesus took it seriously. The Holy Spirit came down. You remember Pentecost? Shook that room like a reed. Flames of fire on their hearts and in uh, on their heads and in their hearts. And they went out and in one generation they took the story of Jesus to the entire then known world. And there was no television and there was no radio. There was no mass media. They did it one by one and it was like a wildfire. They were persecuted. They were burned. They were drowned. They were thrown to the lions. They were thrown off cliffs. They were put in prison. And the more they died, the the faster and the hotter the message went. Until today, Christianity is, at least in name, the dominant religious movement on the planet. But then you have Adventism, began in 1863. We have claimed these three angels' messages as our own. In 1863, 151 years ago, guess how many Seventh-day Adventists founded this church? Now, do you know how many foundation members we have here at New Hope? Have a guess. I actually don't know. How many is there, Lizka? (laughs) It's over 70 foundation members in this church. It's a good start, amen? Yeah, and we're going to grow. You watch, we're going to grow. But how many Adventists in that first church, when it was founded in 1863, what do you reckon? I was surprised. 100? 500? More? Less? There are actually 3,500. That's surprising, isn't it? 3,500 put their names on the book and said, I want to be a Seventh-day Adventist. I want to be part of this new movement. And already by then they'd taken the three angels' message as their directive from God to take it to the world. Three and a half thousand. The General Conference President, by the way, who was re-elected last night, told us in his inaugural address, how many Adventists today? 151 years. 19 million. But it's an even better story than that. They believe that on every Sabbath when we worship, 
There's somewhere between 40 and 50 million people in Seventh-day Adventist churches worldwide. Hallelujah. And so we've taken the directive of Jesus to go very seriously. The angel is flying. But the message of the first angel, worship him who made the heavens and the earth. It's a message of worship. And I like the language John's using because he's giving us a key to the worship he's talking about. This is just not a general call to worship. Go in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Right in the middle of the commandments, the fourth one. And this is where it gets real personal for Seventh-day Adventist Christians. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. Revelation 14 verse 7, fear God, give glory to him for the time has come, worship him who made the what? The heavens, the earth, the sea and the springs of water. Let me go back to Exodus 20 verse 11, for on six days the Lord made the heavens the earth and the sea and everything in them. This is a call to the Sabbath. Can you see it? John is using the same words in Revelation 14 that Moses used in Exodus 20. That first angel's message is a call to the seventh day Sabbath. Do you get that? And it's not a call to a technical understanding of the seventh day Sabbath. It's a call to the world to the heart of the seventh day Sabbath. Look, I, I go. I was at the airport the other day. I went up to visit my, my dad, who's not well. And if you could pray for my dad, I'd appreciate that. He's watching on television today, live stream. I sit at the airport. We got there early, real early, Liska. <laughs> Ended up sitting there for two and a half hours. You look at the people at the airport or at the train station when I was on my way home. Have you ever just stopped and sat and looked at their faces? This is, this is how a lot of them walk, bowed over, harassed, worried, stressed, struggling to pay for their mortgage, battling to save their marriage, unhappy, no peace. They're dying out there. You can see it on many of their faces. And if you don't believe me, go to the airport, go to the train station, sit down and watch people. And this first angel is looking at a world bowed over with grief and pain and stress. And he's saying, come to God, come to the God of the Sabbath and he will give you what you are getting on the Sabbath. Now, what are you getting today? Rest. This world is in desperate need of rest. I see the President of the United States. I see the Prime Minister of Australia. I see the leaders of the Middle East, the Prime Minister of Israel. And the one thing they need more than anything is just a good, peaceful rest. Look at the Prime Minister at Greece at the moment as his country sinks like the Titanic. You don't reckon he needs rest? You imagine if you're in Greece today. You go to the bank, how much can you get out of the bank? 60 euros. Lizka, that wouldn't even buy your makeup, sweetheart. <laughs> I'll be in trouble for that. 
That's not true. I'll, I'll backtrack on that statement immediately. <laughs> but could you imagine the stress? Imagine if you're an Australian man or woman here and you're struggling to get a job and you just can't get one and you've got a mortgage here in Park Lee. What sort of stress and worry and anxiety do they have? And this first angel, Jesus knew what our world was going to be like. Go and read Matthew 24. He knew exactly what you and I would be facing and the people out there in the world. He knew it. And he said, hey, my people, this is you. He said, go out there and tell them to come to me, the Lord of the Sabbath, and the rest that I give you on Sabbath, that then flows over into the rest of the week, eh? True? (laughs) We're a people of rest, aren't we? I'm not talking about sleep. (laughs) I could do a bit more sleep myself at times. (laughs) I'm not talking about sleep. I'm talking about spiritual rest. I'm talking about peace, that blessed peace that washes over you when you have Jesus. That peace that we experience on the Sabbath, because the Sabbath, it's not so much about the seal of God, no, you better have it or you're going to get the mark of the beast. You better have it because those who get the mark of the peace are going to be so stressed out that Satan's going to dismantle their minds. They're going to lose their sanity. And yet we, the people of God, we have peace. And we have peace because we know that no matter what happens... No matter how bad it gets, we can lose our job, we can lose our home. We can even lose our family. But what can't we lose? Jesus. He said, I will be with you always. And Jesus says, go and tell the people of the world. I'm offering them rest. And you know the one thing, the one thing that I enjoy more than any other in bringing people to Jesus is watching his peace wash over them and watching them get rest. I wonder if you're sitting in the church this morning whether you've got rest or if you're watching this on television. Have you received the first angel's message in your own heart? Are you sitting comfortably in here as your world falls, a, falls apart out there? Are you sitting comfortably in the church this morning knowing that your God is in charge and that everything's okay? Are you? Let's have a look at the second angel, Revelation 14.8. Then another angel followed him through the sky shouting, and this is the message we've got to get, give. The message we must give. Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. Because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Who is Babylon? Well, remember the Tower of Babel? Not long after the Tower of Babel, the Bible says, a man comes along by the name of Nimrod. Have you heard of him? The Bible calls him a, a mighty hunter. History tells us, ancient history, antiquity, tells us that he was probably the first man to build walls around cities. Uh, he married a woman by the name of Simiramis. Uh, I don't know what sort of marriage it was, but there is no doubt that Nimrod and Simiramis were not walking with God. They were really the ones who first began after the flood, it seems anyway, to introduce pagan idol worship again to the planet. That was there before the flood and here it is after the flood. Well, Nimrod died. We don't know really how he died. But he died, and his wife must have been one of those 
sensitive, gentle souls because she got up and threw his body in the river that night. And he floated off down the river. When the city woke up, she actually told them that Nimrod had decided to go and make his home in the sun. Now Nimrod was a great leader, a mighty leader. The city was hemorrhaging. The city of Babylon that he founded was hemorrhaging without him. So guess who the people started to worship? The sun. Now we don't know how much time later, a year or two, I'm not sure. Because this is ancient history. But Simiramis gets pregnant. And she says to the city of Babylon, well, Nimrod came and visited me. Stayed the night. And here I am pregnant with his child. She has a baby. Virgin birth. Does it sound kind of strange here? She's a baby. She calls him Tammuz. You know these hot cross buns we eat and they've got a, a T on them? That's not the cross of Christ. It actually is an ancient pagan ceremony that goes back to the times of Babylon. And the T actually re- represents Tammuz. Now under Simiramis and then Tammuz and many ancient kings afterwards, Babylon became the centre of rebellion and pagan worship in the ancient world. Did you know that? And so you can imagine the blow it was for God's people and God's cause when Babylon, because the people of God, the Israelites, the Hebrews, those from Judah, you can imagine the tragedy it was when they joined the rebellion, when they joined this pagan worship, what it must have been for God to see Manasseh take his newborn son, the king of Judah, down into the valley of Hinnom, the valley of bones, and there is an altar and a great idol to Tammuz, Baal, and to see Manasseh, the king of Jerusalem, God's man, or supposed to be God's man, walk up those steps and take a knife from that pagan priest and slit the son of his, the throat of his son and slide him down a slide into the molten stomach of Tammuz, of Baal. What impact must that have had on God? And so you can imagine the calamity it was when Jerusalem was taken and Daniel and his friends ended in Babylon. And it seemed that Babylon had won. But I like that story because God sent his messengers into what? Babylon, into the heart of Babylon. And there's Daniel, that young man who was faithful as a needle is to a pole. And Daniel went in there with the Holy Spirit and he won the king of Babylon to God. And God is asking you to do the same thing. Right here, this second angel. Babylon is fallen. It is a centre of pagan worship. It represents everything that is against God. Modern Babylon represents everything that is against God. Just as ancient Babylon did. And the message we have is it is fallen. It's not a popular message. But the world you live in is fallen. Here's the third message. It's a beauty. Revelation 49 to 11. Then a third angel followed them shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue 
or accepts his mark on their forehead or on their hand, must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulphur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. I can preach a whole sermon, and I will shortly, on that one scripture. But I want to put it in English for you today because I don't have time to unpack it too deeply. Here it is. If you don't escape Babylon, if you don't escape the world, if you do not come out of her, you're going to die. That's why in Revelation 18, verse 4 and 5, exactly the same prophecy, the same prophet, the same message, you hear this voice from heaven crying out. This is a beautiful scripture. Come away from her, my people. Verse 4. Do not take part in her sins, or you'll be punished with her, for her sins are piled as high as the heaven, and God remembers her evil deed. Deeds. And you say, well, what are the sins of the world? What does God talking about. I I, want to tell you today, church, God will not be mocked. He sees what is going on in our world. Men and women make laws that countermand his. They think they can do it with impunity. Men and women practice wickedness What are these sins? Well, let me just share with you another text. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through to 21. Here they are. Bible lists them for us. When you follow, this is end time stuff. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and we've all got a sinful nature, amen, and we've all got desires. I have, you have, we all have. We're born sinful, we live sinful. We need a saviour. Bible says when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. It's number one on the list. Impurity, number two. Number three, lustful pleasure. Is this our world? Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this third angel's message is a serious one because God is saying, hey, to the church, you go out there and tell them not only are they living in a fallen world, but if they don't come to me, If they don't receive the message of the first angel, if they are not converted, justified, sanctified through my blood alone, Jesus is saying, if they will not accept me as their saviour and allow the Holy Spirit in who will change them radically. These are the words of Jesus. He says, well, then you are going to die. That's a really serious message to give our world. 
how do we do it? And I want to spend just a minute or two as I close sharing that message. How do we do it? How do we take that message to the world? Have a conversion yourself. Do you hear me? Lloyd, get on your knees and repent of your own sins. Lloyd, go to the Saviour yourself and look to Him for your own salvation. Lloyd, pray for the Holy Spirit. Now go further, Lloyd. Pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon you. And when you have a conversion, when you have the Holy Spirit coming to you, and you are baptised by the Holy Spirit, then you're going to start to love people like God did. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is my hardest battle. And I bet it's yours too. And if you want to see how I battle... Have a look on Facebook at Lloyd Crollman's page. <laughs> I try to share the truth, and it's a powerful place to share it to 5,000 people, many of them not Adventist Christians. I get smashed. I get banged. I get pillared from post to post. Is that a term? Can I say that, pillared from post to post? I make my own English up. Do you know that? <laughs> I get smacked from post to post. And the hardest thing for me on Facebook and church, haul me up, do it um, in messages, don't do it on my page. Haul me up if you see me not doing it. The hardest thing for me to do is to love these people. I want to get a sword out, not the sword of the spirit. And I want to go to battle. I'm full of German blood. But when you've had a conversion... And that comes by asking for it. And when you've been baptised by the Holy Spirit and He's upon you, you don't see the enemy out there. You see people who need salvation, who are hurt and are wounded and are broken. And you start to love them as, as who does? Jesus. I don't have to go out there and say to somebody, you're a fornicator and you're going to hell. So you better stop it, Praveen. Oh, I better not say that about you, had I? <laughs> if you don't, you're going to burn. Does that work? No. That when Praveen sees in the office, perhaps I didn't get the promotion from bottom to semi-bottom, you know, so, and he sees the way I respond, or, or I don't know the Lord, and I see the way you respond to the challenges and the pitfalls of life with Jesus. There's something about that sort of love that draws people to the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have to. Now, this might sound a bit strange for me, and I'm finishing. I can see Heath not happy up there. Time's gone. You don't have to make great proclamations on Facebook. Can you believe I'm saying that? But it's true, isn't it? What you've got to do is have a converted, born-again experience with Jesus. He will teach you to love, and He'll take you from there. And this church that you belong to will explode. <laughs>